Podcast, these effing teenagers. Uh, we are Matt Rather and Ryan Shealy, but not in that order. I'm Ryan Shealy, and I'm here with Matt Rather. Hey. I don't know why first man uh i guess it's it's i'm all i'm all for klempt i'm all i'm all topsy-turvy because uh gossip girl gossip girl's dead long live gossip girl yeah yeah, yeah. same same mort <laughs> right Actually, uh, so we're coming to you with a retrospective, uh, well, both a uh, review and a TFT episode on the last, uh, the series finale uh, of, of Gossip Girl. Another the- turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Yeah, we're going to uh, uh, sing every kind of mournful song about Gossip Girl. Uh, also, you know, uh, w- wait till you hear our candle in the wind. And then we'll also use this, I think, to, to glance backwards at the whole series uh, itself, um, and 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 th- then also look forward, right? So, like the that famous painting of what is it, the Angel of Progress, that's both like looking forward and backward. Right. We're 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 gonna look forward uh, and backward uh, over over the the wreckage of of Manhattan. So there there actually, I mean, we're two episodes, and I think that we should really not neglect to consider the the retrospective right the special uh, as a text because i think that that's i mean i think that that's an important bit of of i don't know kind of retrospective myth making for for gossip girl e- even though it didn't other than uh, uh what do you think they were referring to when they said oh you definitely don't want to miss the last 10 minutes because the revelation which by the way you know a omar dies and b dan is gossip girl um the uh the revelation actually kind of emerges before that, though they're a little though they're a little cagey about it. I had it spoiled to me for me, of course, because I was watching your live tweet from the East Coast, uh, and so when I watched the show on the Waffles, which was after West Coast uh, the West Coast airing, um, I so I knew, and so I was watching everything uh, through that through that lens it seemed to me that they kind of let it slip earlier i don't know did you did you cotton on at what point in the airing of the episode did you cotton on to what the mystery the the uh, solution to the mystery they they um signaled that it was going on um earlier like there was a conversation between dan and serena that uh, about that first party right. and about uh this discussion but it was it was kind of, it, 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 it was like it was it was oh wait is it dan or is it jenny then Exactly, exactly. That kind of narrowed it down. And it being Jenny didn't really seem to make sense, right? um, But I think it's really interesting. I think the thing that it played off of in a really interesting way of to make it surprising or make it not really fit with a lot of – you know, expectations is that, uh, you know, is is a certain amount of like gender priming because it is called Gossip Girl. Right. and because the voice of the website um, that now I think we is just explained implicitly is we just imagined in our mind we imagine the voice uh, of of Gossip Girl just sounds like Kristen Bell. Um, we just assume that the actual Gossip Girl must be a girl, and I think that's really it's actually kind of interesting um, to to play with that. And, and and I think there's a lot of layers here about. You know that it made perfect sense for Dan to choose this to create this character as a woman, uh, or I guess that this is a, there, maybe a first question is, you know, why not be gossip, gossip boy, or gossip dude? Um, well, it's in keeping. I mean, there's a kind of social transvestism, right? And and so it's in keeping with the the general theme of of transvestism, right? To to make it a, a gender. Uh, transvestism as well as as a kind of social uh, transvestism. So you're saying that it's also just to be to like basically if there are these 
like identity binaries uh, on Dan Humphrey of like dude outcast dude he flipped both of those switches to kind of to 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 go opposite of uh, basically play the opposite of himself. And we also, I mean, we've sort of talked about the kind of the the idea of gossip as being gendered female, or is, or or the idea of you know social relations that that this kind of. Um, uh, this kind of command of social relations being a, a uh, being a thing that's gendered female. So, right, like Nate and Chuck and whatnot don't care about the intricacies of of relationships and kind of the soft power that uh, that Gossip Girl trades in and that Blair trades in, for example. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that's right, and I think that also fits. I mean, it, it's it's interesting. It, it fits with. The also what we've discussed as the much more matriarchal or matrilineal like notions of power within within this world as well. Um, I mean, I'm wondering. I don't know if we've ever actually discussed this. Um, is you know one possibility is that you know that part of the reason that the Chucks and Nates of the world are not as concerned about the um, the intricacies of the various kind of Upper East Side social scheming is that in some ways they have their outside options, right? That the the men of this world have their, you know, their, their, whether it's their um, real estate empires, their kind of investment firms for Nate's dad, uh, or their political and uh, like their political careers for the, uh, for the, the, the Vanderbilt, side of Nate's family, um, you know, that there are kind of, um, there are these outlets and the outlets are related to their status in this world and, and to their being born into this world, but they have these outlets that, um, link to the real, like to, to the, a broader world, to the broader political economy. Um, and it seems like largely the, the women that we see, largely have status um within this world itself and i think that you know there are occasionally um women or, i mean or to be not to get too you know uh not to get too second wave feminist about it but or you know insofar as they are lily rhodes vander woodson uh bass humphrey bass right 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 Right, exactly. No, and so, but I think that it still is really interesting, right? I think that, I mean, I guess here's a question of where Gossip Girl kind of comes down in in feminist politics. Because on the one hand, it it seems to be that um, it recognizes a current, like, structural reality that, that there is a lot of, you know, who is getting power from whom, right? And it, it does seem like, like it, it doesn't seem to be a world in which it is, you know, by, by marriage, you know, women gain their to these um, men who are powerful in the worlds of business and politics. The women get this social status, but in some ways, it's the like legitimacy and meaning and social purpose of these, of this economic and/or political power is. Um, conferred by positioning in the social world and that things can be made or broken in that social world and that women are the gatekeepers of that, right? So that in some ways that while it is a part of the marriage market um, and and, uh, that in fact that is controlled much more um, by women through their like the, their political power over these various social relationships, right? And so that – and I feel like that is a lot of the – um, the, the the kind of vision of of gendered power in in, in Gossip Girl, um, and is behind a lot of even the, what's the arc for the last season and really last several seasons with Chuck and Blair of Blair's you know um, aim to not be just Mrs. Chuck Bass, right? Um, and and to to really maintain th- some of that autonomy and power that comes from her role in the um in the upper east side social scene even as moving into into marriage and and not only and and to actually have that be 
legitimate itself, right? Actually shift the notion of how how she is powerful, right? And to be able to basically play in both games or to have that other outlet to the outside world in addition to the, you know, being uh, the the queen of, of that Upper East Side social order. The um, And what you're saying, I think, is recapitulated in in another way, which is that just in terms of representation, uh, just in terms of watching the show and how, how it's put together, the women are just so much more interesting and seem to have as characters a much sort of richer interiority. Um, you know, the men have these, these kind of like extremely goal-directed interiorities, which is almost parodied by Bart Bass and his like, you know, his sort of aspirations straight up into the heavens, right? The kind of, the kind of phallic rise of all the, uh, the skyscrapers is, is almost a, a, like lampooning of that, you know, of that kind of thing. But the women, uh, as characters, right. Uh, even individually, I mean, as, as even, even absent a social system seem kind of a lot more complex and multifaceted and seem to live lives that are lives that are somehow, uh, you know, somehow richer. Um, that is, that is to say like Eleanor and, and Blair are, uh, powerful. I mean, they're in the fashion business, right? They, they are powerful by dint of, of creativity and sort of the ability to, to create novelty. I mean, Rufus is a musician, but it's, it's funny. The show positions him as kind of an early nineties musician. That is to say a musician whose, whose mode of expression is already outmoded by the time the show comes around. And he's, uh, now professionally, he's an art dealer. That is to say he traffics in the creativity of others. Dan, you know, as, as, uh, uh, Dan as a man, as a young man, uh, well, as a high school student, as a boy, uh, becoming a man, um, traffics in the uh the comings and goings uh and the spottings right uh of others and even under his own name as a writer he um he writes about you know it's not entirely generative uh what he writes about so so uh aside from this is all anecdotal and i realize that the plural of anecdote is not data but <laughs> 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 but, <laughs> but uh you know but it i mean but it seems to me that qualitatively um uh qualitatively and just in terms of kind of artistic representation in terms of narrative representation the show is doing something similar to what you are uh to what you are trying to describe uh through the lens of of uh social science yeah, no, I think that that's, I think that that is, is definitely, is definitely true. Um, I think that it's, it's interesting it's just in thinking about the interiority and the nature of goals and kind of richness. I do think that as, um, I think that what you describe is especially true of, of season one and much of, uh, of, of season too. Um, and I'm wondering though, I'm wondering, I, I mean, I kind of feel like that we get a, a broader kind of richness of, of motivation and mixed motivation um, in Chuck and, and Nate as the season goes on, right? And that they, and in some ways, they become more concerned and capable with the nature of, um, you know, social uh, of, of social machination as things as, as things go on, and and we we kind of see them as part of this world, and that and this could be, you know, it's an interesting question of whether this is, um, you know, you, you could even think that it is generational, right? That, um, is, you know, that perhaps you know early on we see them playing a a version that looks much more like the kind of the the more gender roles that we we would see in their parents generation um as the show goes on uh and you know the and interfaces with you know that in some ways gossip girl itself so dan's act of of engaging of creating this persona uh, creating this um this 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 you know cross gender um persona actually 
drew other people into this mode of being, right? So that actually amplified the scope um, and uh, and speed of these kind of, of gossip, and also through the anonymity allowed others to participate in both the sending and receiving of these messages, right? Mm-hmm. So that through the ubiquity of the um, of of the, uh, the the cell phone technology and the blog, it's not that this that technology did this, but that um, essentially the 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 forms of social power and and kind of cultural uh, dynamics uh, and the technology co-produced this this effect in this new world that, and, and actually changed these and blurred these gender dynamics. I, I use co-production here in the way following on uh, Sheila Jasanoff, who is a, a scholar of science and technology studies. That is this kind of social scientific, critical social scientific studies of, of um, technology. Right? And, so, and I think that, that this is important and maybe this is like the next beat in our, in our conversation is to kind of consider that you know this gossip girl story as opposed to all other gossip girl stories that could be told right and we've we've talked about this a little bit in in the episode of i believe we talked about a little bit this a little bit in the episode titled uh lady gossip i presume Uh but and, and we've talked about it throughout the show um is that on the one hand there have been gossip gossip ladies gossip women uh at various times in the history uh of the um of the upper east side and you could trace the various fiction and kind of social scientific accounts of these worlds and find these various, um, you know, individuals who played the function of Gossip Girl, the social function of Gossip Girl um, before. And and I think the thing to consider is the extent to which this uh, is – the way that it played in Gossip Girl was a specific function of the growth of blogging and the growth and the ubiquity of of cell phones and smartphones. Um, and I think, the, the, and this kind of to go back to the um, the the pre episode retrospective documentary. This was, I think, a really fascinating thing that was uh, emphasized there. That um, you know they kind of tried to stake the claim for almost inventing the genre of the gossip website. Right? Sure. They said when started tmz didn't exist perez hilton didn't exist um and so they they're they're kind of staking a claim for the show itself shaping how we in as a broader society engage with technology and um and 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 but i think that there's also an interesting claim for thinking about this as a document about this co-evolution or co-production of social power and social structure and technology the, the sort of it it's what gets called sometimes an emergent property right that is to say it's based on the the autonomous actions of a large group of people you know each each responding to sort of individual stimuli but it produces a it, it produces a whole that is in some sense greater than the sum of its parts yeah i think that's i think that that is 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 right yeah um, yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I mean, I thought about that. I, I thought about that a lot when they when they said that there was no uh, there was no Perez Hilton, there was no um, a TMZ, right? And it's interesting that they should. Uh, it's interesting that those should be the. Um, it's interesting that those should be the the touchstones, right? That they that they bring up because it struck me that that. That the project of both of those is is sort of to demystify. It's so it's difficult to say though because it's all so so mired in in ul- ulteriority and difference, uh, right? The the um, I, I wonder if the the social mission of Gossip Girl as it was articulated uh, especially in the last in the last voiceover you know i could you know i could be anyone there's always an outsider sort of looking in ready to you know ready to sort of do this um i wonder if it really uh lines up though with with what we've observed over time um yeah you know uh because the 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 it turns out the kind of the psychological meaning of gossip girl for Dan specifically was, was it was a kind of worship, right? It was a kind of hero. It was a kind of hero worship or a kind of like 
admiration uh, or you know very deep envy for these uh, for these people that drove him uh, drove him to do it. But we've talked about Gossip Girl before as a kind of necessary counterbalance or as a kind of uh, uh, you know as a kind of like emergent um, corrective force within the society. Uh, but I think that these are not kind of mutually exclusive, right? So that there's an interesting. Um, I think what's interesting here is that you've kind of talked about – we've talked a lot about the kind of social or public role of Gossip Girl. And I think that, that one thing that we have not really talked about, and I think with the revelation of Dan as Gossip Girl allows us to talk about, is the private motive for becoming Gossip Girl, right? Why do you become a go- Gossip Girl? Sure. Um, and it's actually similar – I mean I think it's similar in this way, and we've talked about this before as well um, – to vigilantism sure. uh, or really to you know what we call um, you know the move we've we've talked about and what the social scientists of the formation of states call the move from being a roving bandit to a stationary bandit that sure. is um, a bandit uh, is you know someone who has some amount of specialty in violence right that has some ability to to coerce to expropriate um, and that there's an observation that's been made by um, Mansur Olson um, and uh, Robert Bates, among others, that essentially what you know differentiates the founders of the earliest states in in Europe uh, and elsewhere from roving bandits is not nothing about kind of their motives or their technology or their capacities, but the fact that the the at some point some bandits decided that they could actually make a bigger take over time if they settled down um, extracted less at any one given point in time and gave a little bit back in terms of protection and security right that so that that in some ways that so there's an and part of where this argumentation comes from is by economists or social scientists who don't like to assume um that there is any type of other regarding preferences, right? You want to assume self-interest and say, how do we get um, a provision of a public good from um, from self-interest without altruism? And the argument is so is for the creation of these public spheres and of these uh, public organizations by self-interested actors, right? And so, um, and so the the vision here is that you know. I think that a lot of what we've said about the public role of Gossip Girl is uh, is is true, but it comes now from this place of Dan wanting to not only enter this world, right, and and but but to kind of engage in it and make it better, right. And I think that this is what maybe separates Dan from a lot of the other. Um, outsiders who try to make their way in, right? That the all, the other outsiders have purely self-interested motives, right? They, they think that they can um, kind of enter this world and get money or prestige or access um, just by playing this game, and they all get expelled. Um, and and I think what um, yeah, or it, are or are sort of punished and humiliated, kind of in spectacular fashion, uh, with uh, like. Like uh, like Chivy at the end, though it does seem like. Did you uh, freeze frame that uh, that playbill or the the ad on the back of the Spectator that was the playbill for her her uh, play uh, Poison Ivy or so or Climbing Ivy or whatever it was. League. Sorry. Oh, Ivy League. Right. Of course. Yeah, so we 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 called that. Uh, I, I think that um, you know we need. Uh, we're waiting for our idea royalty check. Yeah. Um, exactly. Um, so yeah, but I think that um, right, and so I think what's what's different about Dan is that he added value, right? He he took this action to to build something to to produce public goods without like asking for anything himself from the society. Like he gained benefit, right? That he created it so that he would be mentioned. Um, and you know, you're nobody until you're, until you're mentioned. Right. Um, and, and until, until someone gossip girls about you. Well, that, so, I mean, so presumably there was an evolution from his, uh, because he is supposed to have, and it, it's, I mean, uh, perhaps the details of the timeline won't stand up to like rigorous scrutiny, but he, he's, supposed to have started it as a freshman right 
Yeah, that's what I didn't understand exactly. Yeah, and, so then, I- and then so it would have uh, – there's a lapse of time between when he is supposed to have started it and the beginning of season one of Gossip Girl. So that is to say there there was presumably some, some development because we don't see Gossip Girl – uh, as, as sort of evolving, you know, in those first couple seasons, it's a pretty, it's a pretty convincing, it's a pretty convincing uh, 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 voice, right? Like a, a pretty continuous, uh, consistent voice. I mean, to say um, throughout throughout those first couple seasons until like later seasons when it sort of needs to become. Uh, uh, you know, a little more involved to keep to keep the show interesting, so that that the the process of kind of education or the process of of kind of moving from from self interest to a kind of uh, public goods provision is um, takes place, I guess, presumably over those first couple uh, couple years that we don't see. Now, I, this doesn't totally comport. Sorry, I was just saying, like two years in the lifespan of high school students is enough to be forever, right? So sure, I, sure, sure. I, I I just want to point out that this doesn't entirely comport with what we know about Dan, um, in the first couple seasons as a as a character, right? That is to say, he he ought to be a lot more. He ought to be a lot more worldly. I mean, right? He he ought to have already internalized through being Gossip Girl a lot of the lessons that he learns. Uh, he should be more like Jenny or something like that. Right? Yeah, maybe. Um, in that, I guess Jenny is right. I, I think that that's a really good point, and it would be very interesting both for this kind of narrative and character consistency, or for character consistency as well as for kind of plot consistency, right? To actually do a bit of a rewatch of season one um and we could actually uh consider doing that uh through the the spring uh, on this show um Maybe. to kind of fill our gossip girl sized hole in our in our lives um because i think there is i mean w- w- you know there was no tft when the first uh season aired um right and, in fact i think overthinking it itself started in the middle of the first season sure. right if if i'm uh Remembering. Yeah, I guess which must have been. I guess I I recalled from the uh, from the special that it was uh, in the middle of the writers' strike. Yes. So I realize I, I you know I realize now that like all these online projects that have gone on to great fame and fortune like uh, Doctor Horrible and I mean I mean perhaps not great fortune but at least great notoriety. Um, all these uh, writers' strike projects. Uh, I, I realize that now, as I sort of describe overthinking it to people, yeah. I should frame it as a, a response to the writer's strike, right? We were just really bored with no new television on. That's, actually, that's a really good point, um, actually. Um, I mean, that was also the same period of time in which I watched all of The Wire and all of Lost and- <laughs> Of what had existed of, of Gossip Girl, so it really is a formative time uh, in our in our lives. But kind of just getting um, getting getting back on on track. Um, the yeah, I think that in in that first season, you do have Dan and Jenny being much more. They're 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 definitely portrayed as being a lot more naive right. than this story. Indicates that they which would is be. A, I mean, which is perhaps a psychological right inconsistency in the in the thing. I you know I I wonder what at what point they had this end game in mind. You know you know what I mean because like it's it's clear that for a while they've had it in mind, but I I'm not sure that it's the whole time that they've had this end game in mind. No, I I mean it could have even been I, I'd say within the last two seasons. Sure, um, but I, in some ways it's similar to. What it reminds me of, actually, is the flashback uh, to this uh, that we see in this in this last episode as well, right? Where we see a flashback to the uh, the party where Dan first meets Serena, right? Um, and and I think it's really funny because it, I'm um, you know they shot it 
now, right? So they had to make everybody look younger uh, and look, uh, try to make them as much as possible look like they did. Five well, and fix, yeah, fix the hairstyles to where they were, right? Like Dan goes back to short hair, Chuck goes back to long hair. And I, it, was reasonably, it was reasonably successful uh, with the exception of Blake Lively, who has maybe done some hard living between now and then or something. Exactly. Well, also, though, I also think Ed Westwick's, like, wig, his ch- fake, fake, uh, huh. circa... 2007 Chuck wig is hilarious because it's just it, um, I, w- I wish they had more explicitly made fun of the haircuts um, because his hair is just so bad uh, it's, it's quite quite funny um, and I, I think that so exactly that this and I think this is the, in some ways they made the most of that right so um, that it has this character there is a characteristic of memory or kind of psychological defense where you as you remember it is hard to remember yourself exactly as you were at that time right and there's a tendency to implicitly put your current mental state and current physical state into a memory right because it's it's think about the you, you know yourself there's a tendency to want to kind of think of yourself as a continuous entity um and so that what we saw represented there of the current actors playing the these characters before we ever saw them is consistent with how you know um memory would work and self self imaging would work uh, and i think that that is consistent with the dan's kind of post hoc narrativization of of um of of Gossip Girl, but I, of, of of becoming Gossip Girl and how he and Jenny interacted with that, right? That you know, Jenny Jenny knew about it all along. I think this is also interesting, right? Jenny knew about it all along right. and wanted on that and would tell Dan if there's ever something that she didn't want on. Um, and I think that that, that is interesting because it, it, it implies that, you know, she sent him the tip herself about um, about being bon- deflowered by, by Chuck Bass. Yeah. Exactly, and and as a way to pre-commit to leaving New York, right? Um, and so I think that that's interesting. Um, but again, I think especially at that time, certainly at that time, which was what end of season three, I believe, um, that uh, the they, they definitely had no idea of Dan being. Um, Gossip Girl. I believe it would probably be around the time of his book. Around the time of Inside would be about when um, they they kind of came up with this idea. Um, and because it, I don't know. It's it's, it's really interesting um, because we it would be really interesting to track in that first season Dan's kind of. Uh, ambivalence the level of ambivalence about being an insider versus an outsider but you certainly think through the first season even through much of the second season he really retains a lot of that uh rufus humphrey righteous indignation right Right. and we and the the kind of owning which we got a taste of we got a taste of the righteous indignation when rufus storms in right on uninvited uh to wherever they are and you know demands that dan uh uh, yeah. Account for you know why he said such nasty things about little Jay, um, but I think you're right. You're exactly right. I think to bring up inside and outside, and it was sort of the relationship we talked a little bit last time about Derrida and Deferance um, about uh, and the uh, oh someone someone was named Defer wasn't wasn't it on the. Um, Oh yeah, it's uh, it's Chivy, the actress, the actress who plays Chivy. Her last name is is Defer or Defer, right? And I was thinking of like puns I could make on Twitter with with Differance. But the relationship to kind of like an in group and an out group, Differance, uh, you know, for those who need the the cliff notes, is the um, is the relationship uh, is the relationship of sort of two supposedly opposed things, where one thing uh, like takes its identity from differing from another, but also in some sense defers uh to it by making it sort of necessary for its um uh for its existence and we talked about this last time uh with the stated uh public social versus ulterior motives for the gossip girl third acts the parties um but it's also uh i mean it's also uh I think true largely of the relationship between inside like the in social group and the the out social group and you can kind of see 
see the slippage between those two um, towards the end in terms of how easily Dan is able to ventriloquize uh, the the in group and and kind of his relationship as the sort of the ultimate insider and the the sort of ultimate outsider uh, as as Gossip Girl. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I think that another text that we should look at as we kind of go back and I'm, I, I would like to either go in order through old episodes or kind of pick some greatest hits to to illustrate, you know, as we kind of make sense and sift through um, the legacy of Gossip Girl. Because I think the season two finale is another really important touchstone in kind of understanding Dan as Gossip Girl. Because um, if you remember this, right, that um, there, this is the, this is definitely the episode where they're like on a witch hunt for for Gossip Girl, um, and and it's re- it was referenced in last night's uh, in the in the in the last episode, um, which was that Serena kind of asked to meet with Gossip Girl, tried to arrange a meet with Gossip Girl, and Dan showed up. Right. Um, the other thing that happened, and this is at the kind of the graduation from high school uh, episode, is that Gossip Girl does a blast, right? This blast of everyone. It's kind of the like the yearbook. I feel like it's kind of framed as like a yearbook thing or a kind of final sign off to them leaving high school. And it definitely, and and Gossip Girl um, calls Dan out as the ultimate insider. Right. And, and I think that this is, I think, I feel like that is the first time in which that theme and that idea is, uh, is introduced as Dan as the insider. Um, and, and so that by the time we get to there, as much as he kind of maintains that, um, that, that, that Humphrey, um, righteousness, um, he it has been very much on the inside and striving to be uh, uh, on the inside, and I think that, and and I think that that is consistent, right? In some ways, at the same time, it was like kind of surprising to hear that, or it was like, oh yeah, that that does make sense. Um, and everyone in this the world seemed shocked about this, but again, consistent with now what we're saying is that Dan felt, almost felt the need to hammer this home, right? That if if the way to kind of view it now. Um, if if this was if it if it, if Dan was Gossip Girl all along, if the writers knew this, in some ways makes sense. Of Dan kind of first kind of created the fact of he was a person person that existed, right? That um, not only did he create Gossip Girl, but he also created Lonely Boy. He created himself as a person in this world, um, and then. And and him his doing that kind of insisting that and you know bringing that up over and over ensured his his relevance and kind of entrance there, um, and then kind of mentioning himself as a insider, um, you know also flipped this this switch that impart partially also um, fit with the increasing you know rufus's the move rufus's move from um brooklyn to the upper east side as well right so there's this period where he's also much more inside by marriage and by kind of being entwined with all of the um all of the various social relationships um and then as as the series moves on, he is essentially moving in this world on his own, right? Um, and first through, um, you know, in the seasons where Inside appears, it's it is much more para- parasitic or kind of derivative on these social relationships. But you you have the sense in this last season, um, and I think you know, for all in some ways, it seems like this last season is where they really decided to hammer this that of him kind of. Um, acting as a as as a free agent of himself and kind of shaping these worlds and because in, in part because he took the act to tell these um, true stories about everyone. I mean, it's weird because like it's not like it's such a weird like what what Dan's we haven't really talked a lot about Dan's Vanity Fair uh, expose articles, but in some ways it doesn't really seem so much. I mean, at least in what we hear, we don't really hear like about facts or things that happened being revealed um because in some ways most people know about most of these because they've been on gossip no it's more it's more assessments right that are revealed that is to say serena is narcissistic or she has daddy issues or or whatever and like this is the shocking thing yeah and 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 it's so interesting is that what he does is have 
the audacity or ability to um, very kind of clearly articulate what everyone is thinking, right? You, the, the people think these things about each other, um, but but don't say them. Um, and he both has the gall to say them, right? He's basically snitching um, on the on the every side or kind of dropping the the. Um, the the, the the essentially the pretense of, of of being nice and then has the ability to write effectively and clearly and, and find an audience for that. Um, I think what is interesting is how how fast of a writer is Dan, right? I feel like every single episode this season, um, it's like essentially his solution to every single problem was he pulled out a Manila envelope um, with you know a large a large envelope with a new manuscript in it. Right, right, yeah. That that apparently does not exist, uh, you know, as a Google Doc or something like that. Right. Well, I mean, he does write on typewriter, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. I guess they do. I guess they scan them. I guess they run them through the like the document scanner at uh, at the office and do OCR on the the physical artifact. In some ways, it probably is. I actually want to have like the the uh, Dan, um, basically Dan Humphrey uh, getting things done approach, right? It's like, in fact, when you're writing on a typewriter, it's the the what Merlin Mann calls the clackety sound is all the more satisfying. <laughs> You are aware of it's. It's sort of like the the breath in meditation uh, or in, um, in in yoga, right? That is the ujjayi typing. That <laughs> as you pound away on your on your antique uh, retro hipster typewriter, that that's what allows you to go so fast because you're just in this like in this present moment uh, of of gossip girl. But seriously, I mean, how fast is he? It's like it's like oh, I know what I, I have to go somewhere, and he like ducks into a phone booth, pounds out, pulls out. His- <laughs> And 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 pounds out a um, you know twenty page document, right? I mean, maybe being Gossip Girl is what allowed him to become such a fast writer. Well, I was, right? I mean, I was about to say another another way this is of a piece with you know what we know about the world that you and I live in is that every fucking blogger wants a book deal, right? Right. <laughs> you know, at a certain point, you graduate to. Uh, anthologizing the you know the thing that made you cool and uh, yeah, sort of ruining it by publishing it in a in a mainstream magazine. I think that I mean I I think that the the uh, manuscripts, the Manila envelopes, though though honestly I I wish they were sort of leather folios you know bound up with a piece of twine or something like that uh, just to keep with the kind of the reification theme. Uh, we've talked about sort of uh, aristocracy. That um, do, uh, that concentrate power in particular kind of fetish objects like a scepter or a crown, and uh, and I think that that that's what this is. Uh, that's what this is here. I mean, for the sake of visual storytelling, we need to kind of constant. We need to sort of condense the the uh, the notional forms of power that we're talking about into physical objects that can be photographed. And so the the uh, hence the the Manila envelope. Though I, the, though I mean, as I say, I wish it it could have gone still farther. Yeah. No. I think I think that is right because like it's like an important because like this because this is important right because these texts these actual like manuscripts that dan is writing are very important um and and we see this um happening right that you know in some ways one of these last lines everybody's phone goes off and they say is it gossip girl and he goes no it's the spectator right and that even though the spectator is this um is also largely a website um it's interesting it has this legitimacy because it is a newspaper right Um, right and and again it's it's that even in this world right and and this kind of links back to the conversation that we were ha- that we were just having before about kind of technology and legitimacy and social social power that it's not that we are moving into a entirely digital world here um that the you know again dan ultimately graduates up like gossip girl is what um, you know, he can shed Gossip Girl when he is accepted by this social network, has his kind of success on his own right as a writer of this world, and um, gets to marry Serena. Um, and, you know, Nate 
you know, because Nate wants to be a, um, you know, like, ha- you know, aims of being a self-made man, but still following in the footsteps of his family lineage of being in public service, right? That this is still as a as a newspaper, right? You still want to have to be a newspaper man uh, who uh, has a newspaper with with lines of credit um, that just resolve all of their problems as soon as your your creditor dies <laughs> um, but that 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 this like being part of this thing like is that you know that even though the technology kind of changes how people interact with these things is that these other kinds of um, you know, institutions of of the media that themselves at one point were new media, but now are kind of old and and respected. Um, still have a certain kind of um social power, right? So it's that, and, and because these are important, I mean, with the Spectator, we do occasionally see times where it's like, you know, it, it's always even like the online spectator spectator is less concrete because every time that Nate has to take an with it we see these kind of very silly screenshots of like a kind of a fake gchat interface um or a fake thing where it says like uploading and there's like a little spinning wheel and it says like spectator uploaded um and uh-huh. it's, it's ridiculous um and uh and and or we see the screenshot of like whatever uh hp tablet netbook um clusterfuck yeah oh. is being advertised right Right, and 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 that itself kind of takes you out of it. But the the you know the physical the manuscript uh, or even the airplane with the spectator on it is more important than the spectator itself, right? That um, the 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 spectator private jet, um, and and so yeah, that that I feel like that that you're you're absolutely right that this kind of object really. Um, you know, ties it together and is, is a focal point. Um, so I think that, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, I feel like they're the other really major thing to discuss um, in, uh, in, in Gossip Girl is the Chuck and Blair wedding, right? Is, is that this is a um, tying up, you know, a long, you know, years and years of will they, won't they, right? And in some ways, I think it's really interesting. We talked about this um, a little bit last week, is that it's really interesting, is that in both kind of the real world kind of circumstance of having a series finale combined with the narrative convenience of kind of being on the run and and having a fear of, of of Blair having to testify basically just created these circumstances so that um here is where like they like we have to make this leap right we have to um we have to tie up this knot because you could imagine a situation where they kept um the 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 little lava lamp um ball of Chuck and Blair kept f- forming and breaking and forming and breaking forever right and so it took this kind of extraordinary measures of like okay the series is ending we need to give our fans this and okay Bart Bass is dead um <laughs> uh, let's let's use that as a trigger to make that happen because it, um, it, I mean, in some ways, it didn't necessarily, and I feel like the pressure was still much more kind of from the perspective of fan service than it was from nar- narrative, right? Like we needed this um, wedding, but it still was. I guess what it did serve is in both ways. I guess it's the version of a deadline, right? We were just talking about productivity and getting things <laughs> in some ways that that Chuck and Blair had really basically procrastinated their wedding uh or or and their union um for quite some time uh and even when jack suggests uh you, they, they get married you know chuck tried to come up with reasons not to but there is a certain amount of fear and necessity that combined to make this actually happen right, right? that's really what it felt like uh is less like you know the you know and in contrast to the wedding that we saw last season the um the blair uh and, and louis uh wedding um the you know which was planned for most of the season and 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 also you know was timed to be aired you know the royal wedding was the hundredth episode of of gospel Girl, right it was a big event um that then fizzled almost immediately um you know this was 
almost no planning in in a way um and and was and yet was was perfect right that it was it, and and you know the the scene that kind of sets this in motion is this awesome scene you know of all everybody going up the met steps right in this little, like low shot looking up the met steps um as they as they enter um and then this this whole scene of the i believe a cover of uh, road to nowhere um by by talking heads huh. Um, the, tying this together, right, and all this kind of motion and assembling um, and 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 coming together um, uh, for for this wedding is, I think, very very interesting. Um, and yeah, it was fa- I, the other the other thing you know that I just want to highlight is that you know what you tweeted about Chuck Bass and changing from the regular tux into the lime green tux, and only he uh, you know could do that, or white tux with lime green accents, right? Like only he could do this. I thought it was a, a, a pretty spectacular coup for the show to uh, to sort of make this happen. But I mean, like right, like uh, the the I want to pair the the ascent. Um, of the steps into the Met and then the uh, the descent right of the steps to the bridge uh, underneath Central Park uh, or uh, you know the the Central Park Bridge I I don't know exactly where it is in Central Park maybe you do I'm not not entirely sure but I... it's I mean right the idea is and you know you're right there in Central Park when when you're at the Met so I suppose it's a it's a convenient location but like there's there's this sort of there's this movement I mean there's this sort of movement up uh that's kind of an aspirational movement and there's this uh there's this movement down the steps which is the kind of like coming back to earth of the the reality you know of the like can you just get to the I do part already uh just want to point out legalistically that chuck does not say yes i mean he says it in his way but he does not say yes he says you know three words eight letters yeah i mean i thought that maybe they were going to like totally because even that itself is a princess bride reference right um And I think I mean I, I I saw that very plainly, um, and and they definitely uh, you know also at the same time during the um, during the royal wedding episode also I think had Wallace Shaw and say there's the princess bride, um, <laughs> um, but yeah I'm 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 sure at some point they discussed of whether they were going to have uh, you know Wallace Wallace Shawn say yeah. Marriage <laughs> you know? or oh no I thought inconceivable. Yeah, I, 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 there's a lot of other things, a lot of callbacks where they could have either called back his specific um, line, character. yeah, yeah, or else aspects from the from the Princess yeah. Pride. And it seemed it seemed like this one was not afraid to, as it were, wink at the audience a little. This particular episode, absolutely. I mean, that's, that was the thing is that. Um, they like especially once the, like the rip cord is really being. <laughs> um, I think that that's what it is. Is that like at a certain point once they ascend these met steps right it's it's over right, right. like they're actually kind of climb ascending into heaven right that's and- right i yeah i mean that's actually that's very interesting i mean because the whole uh first couple seasons were this like vertical hierarchy on the on the steps but you no one was ever in the met right like it was the it was the it was the place of the children of the high school kids was on the on the steps and once you've sort of ascended past the steps into the actual museum uh you're what you you're an adult now yeah exactly you're you 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 sponsor these exhibits right you uh, <laughs> you have on a wing of it um and and well and i think it's really interesting is that where they meet up is in the kind of i believe it's in the classical um like statuary right um and i think that that is also really interesting um to be among these statuaries is to kind of be a statue is frozen in time right is is a, a moment is kind of captured and i guess that's the same with the painting but there's this physical embodiment right and you have this they themselves are kind of sculptures amidst this sculpture garden amidst this kind of sculpture hall um and so yeah i think there is this kind of moment of of ascent um and at that point even though the there is some drama or tension that is wrung from these right the 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 high school girls or middle school girls kind of are trying to call it into gossip girl right they're trying to like make it keep happening 
right? And in fact, Gossip Girl's not responding. Um, and so they, they're like, well, we, we call, we're going to call the cops. Right. Um, and there's this interesting desire for, for participation in this event and making things happen. You feel that it's past that, even as the police come. Um, it's, you know, that in some ways it's the again it's it's gossip girl is in like gossip girl god mode right <laughs> like <laughs> yeah things get gossip girled immediately <laughs> it, it is always it is always already gossip girled right that that yeah the police are coming and yes there is this tension uh in this moment as the police are uh, are closing in and they they say uh they say the i do's um and get get taken away which by and the you- way wouldn't wouldn't really i guess they backed it jack bass backdated the marriage license but i i don't know if cognac uh like talked about spousal privilege but it it doesn't apply to the time you're not married we should um so so cognac has again as i said last episode been doing real real law work for the last um months to the extent that um she's not seen any of these episodes oh wow so we should um as we watch them um we we should do an episode that is is kind of tft legal legal analysis edition that kind of goes through all of the legal um issues that are raised um in this last uh in this last run of 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 episodes oh no doubt Uh, go into that um but yeah but what i was gonna say is that you know in some ways you know just because especially where it's happening in the in the episode that although the police are coming it is like the fakest of the fake uh of 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 fake cliff hangers right and no one is concerned about this at all um and you know there's tension and release almost immediately uh and and so it is really like i mean i think i joked about this um on our last episode it is it is similar to this uh what i joked is that bart bass was going to come back to life and die six more times in this episode right thing is hyper accelerated uh in part because um they you know because you know dan made this decision to to out kind of gossip girl again it's it's this kind of it's it's not even really i mean it's framed a little bit like a it's not exactly like a heroic sacrifice but it is in a little bit right as he as he's kind of he's kind of Gossip Girl is essentially. I'm, I'm trying to think about like the image that I have, and there are probably other tropes of this. But the the, the kind of for me the paradigm is uh, the, you know in some ways this is a Independence Day solution to a Gossip Girl problem, right? Yeah. That what I mean as, by Independence Day solution is the uh, Randy Quaid flying into the laser beam portal of the of the spaceship, right? Of this, you know, I, I feel like for me that is the archetypical kind of self-sacrifice for the greater good kind of uh, in pop culture. Um, and it, you know, uh, it was also in the Avengers as well, um, I believe with, uh, and, and you, you have a little bit of a dynamic of that even in uh, Dark Knight Rises, right? But that, so that by setting in motion kind of, um, sending Gossip Girl on this suicide mission, right? Having Gossip Girl kind of be outed, that's what kind of um, ends this, right? And and so, you know, you, you talked early in the episode about there being um, a nuclear weapon being detonated um, in in uh, Manhattan. In some ways, this is the social equivalent of that, right? That it kind of is what sets uh, everybody free, Um and and allows them to kind of be together in this in this world, right? So that even though that kind of happens in the last two beats, like the last two um, segments of between uh, advertisements for the Carrie Diaries, uh, <laughs> um, uh, by, by which I mean by commercial breaks, which were long infomercials for the Carrie Diaries, sure. um, the you know. Even though, like those last two bits of like the post Gossip Girl revelation and the five years of, uh, in the future flash forward were meant to kind of be the wrap up, I think we're already there by the time we get to the Met steps. That, that it's it, we are in the afterworld. Uh, we're in Gossip Girl God mode. Um, and what, so, so what? I, what? I, th- this is kind of a pedestrian question i guess but like what do you think uh constitutes the third act party in this uh it because i i have a theory i think it's interesting but i th- i i want to know what you think 
in some ways, the whole episode is the third act party. Uh, well, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I don't know if that's what, what you were going for. Um, no, I, I think – well, I mean, I think that the sort of the, the wedding reception, right, like – uh, the hey, let's get some. We're getting some champagne at Citarella. Uh, that was where where I was going with it. I mean, these third acts have been these sort of long planned. Um, you know, these third acts have, are are usually these long planned, sort of socially meaningful, uh, big fixed date kind of events. And the idea that like, oh, hey, we're throwing a party right off the, you know, we're throwing a party just kind of off the cuff, uh, you know, is the is the interesting thing that it does with the with the structure. But I think your point is, I think your point is a good one too. The whole the whole episode is a kind of carnival, right? Of of uh. A kind of carnival of of Gossip Girl, and, and then there's like the brief montage right before that scene of like it's kind of like getting in all of the various kind of either prior special guests or um, you know basically everybody who has been on the show, a few different people reacting to this news, right? So that we're really it is very kind of big tent, um, and so we we get as many um, people as possible um drawn in and i think what's also interesting about the theory about it or you know the interpretation of the kind of post revelation discussion um and then like the the wedding reception as being that event is we actually don't see the reception party itself the impromptu reception party right we see the we we see bookends right we see this kind of like moment where everybody is processing this news um and and they are like in fact their guard is really down right um and so in some ways the thing that is more like the the party the the third act party itself i mean i think what's striking is that from the time that we go into gossip girl god mode from the time we ascend the met steps um and and like then Dan decides to publish this. Um, in some ways, what's striking is that there is actually a tremendous amount of whether known or not. There's a lot of unity amongst all the characters, right? And I think what's what's typical of all of the um, the third act parties is that there are all these private agendas being played out. And I think so. I think on the overall structure this last episode has that overall structure, but at a certain point you have um, the entire kind of Gossip Girl crew um, forging as one unified body, right? They are one actor that is at this big party, right? Um, and I think that you see that in part because um, in in Georgina helping out, right? That Georgina is helping with the wedding. <laughs> um, yeah. And I feel like I feel like that is our clue that like everything is over, right? That, that this is really the end of the world. This is the cataclysmic changing event, uh, world changing and shattering event that she is helping out, right? And is and that that is that is you know it's like a small thing, but it is consequential because her only role has been to be an agent of destruction and chaos in these in these parties and to use this for her own um for her own agenda um and so the fact that she is part of this unified front um shows us that we really have crossed over and that there has been this kind of system altering set of events um and this is something that we suppose is that would there be a way would gossip girl find a way to essentially find an end and and that a satisfying end would require some, you know at least a change to the the system at least among these characters and right. i think that yeah. that's really what we that what we get and at a certain, certain point you know the game hasn't you know we we what we kind of get in the very very end is that on the one hand the game hasn't changed it just got more fierce <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're still in high school um and that there are all are always gossip worlds it seems like our characters have crossed over in a way, and they've found some kind of um, um, peace, right? Uh, and and in some ways, it's a really interesting comparison to the series finale of Lost, which tried to do the same thing, right? And actually also put them all in heaven, but in a way that 
made the whole show meaningless, right? That there's kind of a, it, it was a little bit of a, they were dead all the time and there were two timelines and people are moving between them and everyone that you love is all together in heaven um, kind of uh, world thing that like made all of the, all, everything that w- we went through with Lost kind of pointless. Right. Where I feel like this, the, the the revelation and kind of course of events of this grand third act, um, and in some ways, thinking about this whole season, this whole abbreviated mini season as a third act for the entire um, uh, series, I think actually worked out being quite satisfied and kind of had the kind of you know narrative. Um, uh, elements, kind of micro-stylistic elements of kind of references and callbacks, um, and uh, and and kind of had this this just satisfying fan service of seeing kind of favorite characters come back, right? So it kind of tied all of these together in, in a way that was kind of narratively and thematically meaningful. So I think it worked um, very well, and even had a had a big hat tip towards the meta with the inclusion of of Kristen Bell and. Uh, Rachel Bilson. Wait, and now correct me if I'm wrong. Rachel Bilson was on the OC. Am I yeah, correct? yeah, yeah. She was the um, she was the Blair of the OC. So maybe the OC is something else that we should uh, consider as we look forward, right? Certainly the first season of it, because it really it gossip girled itself before that was even a thing. <laughs> so so uh but the first se- the first season of the OC is definitely something that we could uh that we could look at and I think it would be most notable. I mean, uh the similarities are so obvious. Um th- that is to say Adam Brody is the is the Dan character, Misha Barton is the Serena character. Uh you know, Rachel Bilson is the Blair character. Um it, actually, it's much cooler in some sense because Peter Gallagher uh, is the the Rufus character. But uh, yeah, but in in some sense, uh, but so I think it's actually the differences, the kind of the New York LA dichotomy that that might be most interesting to unpack. Looking at uh, season one uh, of the OC, I mean, we could do a close reading of that alongside a close reading of season one of Gossip Girl. I was thinking about that. I think that that would actually work really well, and that would be a good way to, you know, keep the magic going, right? <laughs> um, and to to not really uh, uh, accept the fact that um, we're, we're going to be in our our uh, first stage of uh, of Gossip Girl <laughs> grieving, uh, which is denial. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just keep keep talking about Gossip Girl. Um, we would like to also come back to um, Friday Night Lights. Um, we've been talking about a variety of other uh, TFT worthy shows. So we'll. Um, I mean, I will probably uh, watch one episode of The Carrie Diaries and then rant. <laughs> terrible. Um, and but again, we're open to suggestions about some other things to to, to discuss. But I think that, again, this is far from our last episode in which we talk about Gossip Girl. No, um, I mean I think it's very uh, right. I think it's very important. I mean, there will be a sort of uh, symposium, right? Yes, I was just going to say I think that there's a few coming up. I think there will be certainly, hopefully, uh, an episode or a mini episode uh, with Cognac talking about some of uh, Gossip Girl and the Law. Uh, we um, are reaching out to some both some of our listeners, members of the OTI family, and then other people who talk about um, Gossip Girl and the greater popular culture to have a symposium episode uh, in which Matt and I do some brief conversations, brief interviews with various people to kind of get a um, an edited volume, a, a a, a round conference round table of sorts on on Gossip Girl because I think that um, you know we've been getting lots of interesting mail um, and and interactions with with uh, people so we'd like to have some conversations kind of doing a multifaceted multi-directional uh, wrap-up um, and then uh, hopefully we'll we'll jump in and do some work on the early seasons or greatest hits of Gossip Girl um, and and keep kind of thinking about both. Um, some of the deeper um, kind of deeper thematic connections and, and kind of circling back to what we now know with the finale uh, and linking to other uh, other media, uh, either other TFT media that we have not yet considered um, 
or uh, that we um, that we are currently considering. Um, so, but until then, you know, share your thoughts with us. Um, there's lots of ways to call or text uh, to two zero three two eight five six four zero one. That's twenty fat jog o one. Um, follow us on Twitter at TFT Podcast. Um, like us on Facebook. These effing or fucking teenagers podcast. Um, uh, email us at tftpodcast at overthinkingit.com um, leave comments in the show notes and uh, we'll you know we'll, we'll be here forever you know that in fact you know we have gone into gossip girl god mode uh, that we we are we are sharing both anecdotes and data um, we are talking about uh, the the gender dynamics uh, and fluidity of power uh, and most of all even though there's no gossip girl anymore we will still be talking about these fucking teenagers. teenagers. XOXO.